Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. While they're doing that, let's pray, okay? Father, we just come in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for this night. Lord, I thank you that you've brought people here. I thank you, Father, that you've got a word for each and every one of us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God, that you're God of order. <laughs> thank you, Father God, that you come to align and adjust us, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to this place. We say, come, Holy Spirit. We just bind any distractions in the name of Jesus. We pull down doubt and unbelief. We say, faith arise in this house. In Jesus' name, we tear off every, every hindrance, every wall, every barrier in the name of Jesus. We say, Holy Spirit, come crashing through. Come wreck us, God. Come, come, God. We're hungry for you, God. Father, we ask, Lord, that you would come. We thank you, Lord God. I thank you that you're already here because you said where two or more of us are gathered in your name, that you're already here in our midst. So I thank you, Father God, that you have a word for all of us, God. That we have ears to hear tonight, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that our ears hear, our eyes see, and that we, Lord God, obey the word and that we do the word, God, because this is a house of doers of the word, God. Father, we're not going to deceive ourselves and not do the word. So I thank you, Father God, that we are doers of your word. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Okay. Woohoo! <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you first to my husband who has been patient with me all week as I've been preparing. So I love you, honey. Thank you. Um, and good to see my son and his wife here tonight. Awesome. Good to see you guys. And uh, I want to thank you, Pastor and Pastor Teresa and Pastor Nancy and, and for the leadership here. Thank you for the honor. This is an honor um, to be here. And I, I can't just thank them because, you know, we have pastors, uh, our pastors have pastors, Apostle Joe, Pastor Rena, um, and they are, they pray for this house, they pray for us, they pray for me, and they are raising up men and women, uh, men of valor, women of witness, and so if you've been on one of those women intensives or one of the men of valor um, times, you know that what they, they sow into us and what they've given. And so tonight, really the word is just a culmination of all the people who've sown into my life and all that oil that's come in and the apothecary of all that, right? This is what's been sown in me and the word that I've been soaking in and reading and praying and saying, God, what do you have for us tonight? And so um, I've asked him and we got a www? Okay. It's not the World Wide Web. We are not talking about the web tonight. We are going to talk about wealth, water, and the word, okay? But let me tell you this story about women of witness. And, oh, we got to put this thing on here. Start. Okay. Sorry. Um, so let me tell you about women of witness and an intensive. One of the ones that I went on um, Pastorina is raising up women, and there's a, a beautiful woman of God uh, that has, uh, comes every time and sets up these beautiful soaking rooms. And the Spirit of God really meets you. And if you want to encounter God and your heart is open, you will encounter him. Well, one of my very first ones that I went to, the very first station there was this wedding album. And I was like, okay, help me, God. Like, I eloped. So... What kind of album? We don't, you know, so I'm looking at somebody else's wedding album. And I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me? And I began to open it up and look at the pictures of Apostle Joe and Pastor Rena. And there were beautiful wedding pictures there. 
And then the next were of Dr. John and, and, and uh, Dr. Rebecca, Apostle John and Dr. Rebecca. And then the next was Dr. John Kelly. And then it was going on and on about the history of the church and where, where the church began. And it was, it was my heritage. And that night, God literally rewrote my history. Literally went in and, and showed me the foundation that's been put into my life. And I will say, I, I, I thank God for a mom who prayed. She was a praying woman who taught us about Jesus. I'm the youngest of eight children. And that woman took us to church and taught us about Jesus. And I saw her read her Bible. I saw her praying. There were women at our table constantly. And so I thank God for godly men and women. And I thank God because, you know what? 30-some years ago, God gave me a word that he would give me pastors after his understanding. It's from Jeremiah 3, 15. All right. Listen, check me out. Get your Bibles out. I didn't give them any verses. You need to look these things up for yourself. You need to see if people up here, people that you're watching on www, are they preaching the word? Go in and check it out. Okay? Don't, don't let things come by. Okay? So you need to look it up. So tonight you hear a verse, write it down, look it up for yourself. You can look it up now, you can look it up when you get home, but check it out. Okay? So God gave me a word, and that says God would give us pastors after his own heart that would feed us with knowledge and understanding. And I thank God, Pastor Dave, that 30-some years later, you're still around. Right? Right? The faithfulness of the people of God and that God is looking for us to be faithful for those who are coming behind us, right? And so I thank God for you, Pastor, and for Pastor Teresa and Pastor Nancy. So I just want to make sure that we give honor to whom honors do. Okay. So we have this beautiful, oh man, come to my house that looks so good. We have this beautiful table set up here. And God showed me this when I was praying about preaching tonight. This is an invitation for all of us to come to the table because he wants to feed us with knowledge and understanding, right? He wants to feed us. He has something good for you. Now, the problem is you may have filled up already on junk and things like that. You might be really full. You might be tired. You might, something's distracting you. Well, we already prayed, and, and the Word of God says, 2 Corinthians 10.5, use the math. Teach your kids math when you're teaching the word. Two divided by 10 equals five, right? That's the way I remember it. Casting down every thought, every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bring it into obedience. God has something for you tonight, and he wants you to get it, but the devil doesn't want you to, but you have the authority over this brain over this mind, over our thoughts. We can set them on the things above and we can engage and pay attention because I'm like, God, what do you have to say? Because he's just been pouring it in and I'm going to give it out the way he gave it to me, but it's up to you to engage and take, take an active part and say, I'm not leaving this table till I get the full course. Right? Okay. All right. So remember, www is 
Wealth, water, and the word. Tonight, we're going to look at those things. And, you know, I've had a privilege to work with the wealthy, actually work for the wealthy. (laughs) A multimillionaire. I worked in their home. I cleaned for them. And yet I felt like I had more wealth than they did. That I could give them something. God told me like that, like the little servant girl that that told Naaman to go, go dunk in the water, that I had something for them. All the wealth they could have given me didn't mean anything. I had salvation to share with them. I had a hope to share with them. So I'm thankful for God that I, I actually got to sit at the table with them a couple of times. You know, we would sit, you know, we, we went to dinner with them. We sat with their family many times. And I got to hear them talk about, you know, they're sitting around the table talking about education and the stock market and, and, and how to make their children's lives better for a future. It's like, okay. Well, I couldn't carry much of a conversation at that point. I was the housekeeper and I, you know, wasn't really very educated in those things. My own choice. Remember, God gives you wealth. We need to steward it. You need to learn about those things, how to handle that, right? And so um, as I worked for them, uh, all these years later, that was 20-some years ago, I've actually gone to college at age 51, so you can do it too, (laughs) and got a degree in accounting, okay? Worked in a company for over... um, a total of over 20-some years I worked there, and I did every area of the accounting. I worked in billing. I worked in accounts receivable. I worked in accounts payable. I worked in their claims and collections. I also worked in their rebates. That's the best part, what you're getting back for what you put in, right? So all that experience, right? I've made my share of mistakes. But we can learn, and that's what I I began to do and start having um, people come alongside, and I I learned, even from the company, this company that I worked for started in the Depression, and it has lasted over 85 years. Don't you want to know? I want to know the secret of the family that I worked for. That gentleman was a self-made millionaire. He grew up in Mayfair section of Philly. He put himself through night school. Don't you want to sit and talk with people like that and find out how did you make your millions, right? How did this company, a now a billion-dollar buying power, billion-dollar buying power that I work for, and yet there were companies way back in the Depression that said, if we don't come together, we're going down one by one, and they formed a co-op because they knew that we're better together, and so are we, okay? So... This church believes in tithing. Amen? We're givers in this church. We give, if you don't know what that is, tithing is giving the first fruits, the 10%, back to God. We also know the stewardship of the other 90%, right? Okay. And there's a lot of ways that we can educate ourselves about wealth, right? So what are we doing with that 90%? So I've gone to a Crown Financial class, um, Apostle Joe's Financial Seminar, uh, read some books that he recommended. I've been through a personal finance course at Delaware County Community College. 
We've had hours of Dave Ramsey, right? You can get them free on YouTube, okay? Um, and we've had dozens of sessions with our own financial coach, correct? Yes. And so what do we do with this wealth that we have? Well, maybe we don't even recognize the wealth that we have. Maybe that's the problem. The best, the best advice found is in the word of God right. in handling your finances. My husband and I are reading through the Proverbs. We have been for probably two, at least two years now. Every day we read the Proverbs. And if we had done some of those things in there, we wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that we had before. But God is gracious. He's good. So Proverbs 9 says, wisdom prepares, right? Wisdom sets her table. Wisdom sets the table. Why? Because wisdom is going to call people to join. It's going to call, right? We actually don't even have any chairs here, and that's okay, because that means there's room for our people to come. Grab a chair and come and sit at the table, right? Partake. Wisdom sets the table. Well, who's she setting it for? Well, I know I'm setting, I set the table for my children, for my family, right? Are we setting the table for our family? Are we preparing the family for what's ahead? Pastor Teresa did a whole lesson on Timothy and, and, and what, is, what the days ahead are looking like. And it's scary if you don't know God. Are we preparing? I think we've lost the art of, you know, this is like the once a year, twice a year, maybe three times a year thing in some households. I, I'm guilty. We've got the sit in front of the TV and eat the dinner and, you know, pretty much probably don't talk while whatever's on, right? We've lost this art of spending time around the table the family, the wealthy family that I worked for sat around the table all the time and talked to their kids about their future, how they could gain wealth themselves, how they could educate themselves. We need to spend more time around the table, right? And teach our children and speak to them. So let's look at what that looks like. Of course, we need to be ready in the natural, right? We need to be naturally ready. And we've been given even, you know, an encouragement down to maybe even a warning of what is coming ahead. So be prepared. Get your cupboards ready, right? Wisdom prepares. We need to be ready. There is no excuse, okay? And so we get our pantries ready. We, we've also been taught about the um, God funds, right, Deb? God funds. I know that God funds, right? Many people have had God funds because when God calls you to go someplace, you already have the money ready to go. We've heard about the, I don't see Lisa, but we've heard about the 10, 10, 80 principle, right? How to handle your finances. See Lisa Verdecchio if you want to, you there she is. Talk to her. She's, she's been working on that and God's done wonderful things. So seek out people. Wisdom finds people who are wise in that area and gleans from them, right? So we want to take advantage of that and use that. 
okay? So today, in the world, what do we hear? Joel Jackson, give us some shout outs. Bitcoin, oh, what else we got? Doug, where are you at? Floki, thank you. What else we got? Uh, cryptocurrency, before you don't, don't know what that is. Okay, those are cryptocurrencies. But if you want the sound financial advice and what to do, the Holy Spirit will even give you, he'll tell you what to buy, what to sell, where to go to find the right thing for you and for your family. So let's be wise and see how we can be prepared because in this day and age, we need to provide stability for our children, for our family. And that isn't found in the almighty dollar, okay? Although it's good to save. I'm not discounting that. It's great to save. It says that a righteous man leaves uh, inheritance for his children's children, right? Children's children. So we do save, we do prepare. But how are we preparing spiritually, right? We want to give our children stability, and that only comes from the rock, right? The foundation in Jesus Christ. So while I was teaching, we've been teaching in Kids Harbor, um, we've taught about Esther, we taught about Daniel. Oh, is Xander here tonight? Because he would be my winner. Xander, who are Daniel's three amigos? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Adults, for those who don't know, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hmm. Uh, yes. And so here's the question. Because listen to the names of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Hananiah means that Yahweh, God, has been gracious. Mishael is who is what God is. And Azariah means Yahweh has helped. Why? I want to go back to my Sunday school teacher way back when, when I learned that story, and ask, why in the world would you teach me about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're their Babylonian names who represent the Babylonian gods yes. Come on. instead of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah? Come on. Come on. We are giving our children over to the enemy. We're calling them what the world calls them. What's up with that? Okay, so we're going to look at Abraham. In Genesis 12, 6 through 8, Abraham traveled to the oak of Morah at Shechem. M-O-R-E-H. Not Morah, my daughter-in-law. <laughs> and there's where he encountered God. And he built an altar to the Lord. He built an altar. He encountered the Lord, the, and God said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. Uh-oh. He didn't have any offspring. He needs some offspring. Right? God has given us a promise. He's given us an inheritance. 
Who are we going to pass it on to, Pastor Dave? Who are we passing it on to? We have a wealth that the world can't touch. Who are we giving it on to? Who are we going to pass it on to? So, and Abraham built an altar there, and he calls on the name of the Lord. And we know that in Proverbs 18.10, it says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in, and they're safe. Did we talk about safety and security? It's in the name of the Lord. It's in him. Okay, so Abraham must have known something because, and he was going to be reminded about that place where he built that altar, right? Every time he traveled by there, he would see it. He would be reminded that God spoke to him there, that God made him a promise there. But you know, all week long, God's been telling me, dig, 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 dig. You know, you're not going to find the gems up here. You got to dig, right? Okay. You got to be under a little pressure, (laughs) If you want the diamonds, you got to get in there, right? So God said, dig. And here's the interesting thing. Abraham traveled to the oak. The oak, it was the, the name is the tabernacle, which is specifically an, a male or female tree. Hmm, that could preach right there, Right? So when we go back to the beginning, we, do it, we look at what God says about things, right? He created them male and female, right? So he took them to this, he took them to this tree. It was called an oak. They say it's not like our oaks now, but it was a tree there that represented strength and a time right there that God reminding him, and I looked and I'm like, well, is it male or female? The word is elon. Number 436 in your Hebrew lexicon, right? It's male. So Abraham is reminded, you're a male, and I'm meeting you at Mora, a place of the early rains. Early rains is what Mora stands for, early rain. And at Shechem, which is the ridge, or a shoulder. So you know when the rains came in his life, right? He reminded that he was a man of God, that he had strength like an oak, and that, he, that, the, that no matter if the rains came, that he was up in a high place on the ridge with God, right? And that he, would, he was going to be able to shoulder the weight of the ridicule that was coming his way, right? He was going to be able to stand. So God reminded him. God doesn't, there isn't anything in the Bible written there by accident. It's on purpose. So when something piques your interest, Dig, because God's got something to show you. So he encounters God there. God calls Abraham, Abram, Abraham, the father of many nations. I love it. But he needed an heir. God's promise was to his offspring. All right, Nicole May, this one's for you. The Bible says, Psalms 127.4, you should have that one memorized. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Verse 5 there says, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Right, Nicole? Right, Monique? Yes. 
I'm the youngest of eight. Um, he will not be put to shame when he confronts his accuser at the city gates. Hmm. Our children are an arrow. Hmm. Could we have missed our greatest blessing and even our weapon? Hmm. So, in Samuel 13, 19, I'm going to tell you this. You're going to want to look this one up because you won't believe this unless you see it in writing. So I would encourage you. 1 Samuel 13, 19. It says, there were no blacksmiths in Israel. The Philistines would not allow them because they were afraid that the Israelites would make iron swords and spears. Only, only, the Philistines could sharpen iron tools. So if the Israelites needed to sharpen their plows, their hoes, their axes, their sickles, Mike, you would have to take them to the Philistines. They had to go to the Philistines. Are you hearing what that said? The Israelites took their weapons to the Philistines to get sharpened. Are we taking our arrows to the world to get their training? Have we relinquished everything? the treasure that God has given us in our children and relinquish that right to allow the world to teach them whatever they want when we know the truth of God's word. It said, so on the day of battle, none of the Israelite soldiers with Saul had an iron sword or spear because they were all over it with the Philistines getting sharpened. Hmm. Okay. So, we're going to turn to Genesis 26, and I want to read this one here. So we're looking at your wealth. And sometimes we don't realize, again, what I said was that what wealth you have. We do not realize here in the United States that water is a wealth. That if you have water, you are wealthy. I don't see David Katanga here, but he showed me the well that was dug on their property. They, would, they had been searching for water and water and water. And they were coming up dry, and it's expensive to dig. And then they hit pay dirt. Whoo! That thing was running. He showed us the video of the water coming out and coming out. And people from all over the community were coming with their vessels to be filled. That's wealth. He's a rich man there because of water. The thing that we take for granted. Right? So, in Genesis 26, verse 1, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine. Get ready, people in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt. 
Live in the land where I tell you to live. You might want to heed when God tells you to stay somewhere. Right? Or when it's time to go. He told Joseph, right, get up. It's time to go. He says, stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and will continue and will confirm the oath I swore to your father, Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on the earth will be blessed. So, go down to verse 12. Isaac planted crops in the land and in the same year reaped a hundredfold. I'm asking for a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Because the Lord blessed him. He obeyed him and God blessed him. There is blessings in obedience. Read Deuteronomy 28. Okay, But there are also curses for disobedience. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Verse 15, so all the wells that his father's servant had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up and was filling them with earth. In verse 18, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. Hmm. The Philistines changed the names. The Babylonians changed their names. The world's changing the names. They're giving labels to our kids. They're giving labels to us. And we need to rip those labels off and reclaim our wells. It's our wealth. It's the water. It's the word. And we need to start reclaiming them. We don't realize the wealth that we have. I've probably got five, six Bibles they're all strewn over a room right now. <laughs> we don't realize the wealth that we have. Isn't it the washing of the water of the word? Right? The word. There is wealth. The enemies come to steal our wealth. The well. It's full of mud. It's not running pretty. When we were kids, we used to go to Nazarene camp. You know, they used to have them old pumps, the well. That's what I did as a kid. We pumped and pumped and pumped and pumped if you wanted some cold water. Just don't drink it when it first comes out. Because it's dirty, right? You want the clean water. You got to dig deep. And we got to keep that thing primed and ready because somebody's coming for a drink of your well. Somebody's coming for a drink. And are you ready? Are we ready? There's a world who is thirsty, and they don't even know what they're thirsty for. So, we need to sharpen one another. Iron sharpens iron, Proverbs 27, 17 says. And so a person sharpens another. 
We need to reclaim what's ours. To open up the wells, allow our children to drink on the living water. And we need deep wells. God kept saying, dig, dig, dig. We need deep wells. We lived on the property. It had two wells, and before we left, they sunk another one because those wells were low-yielding, and they could not sustain us. And we were only a family of four. How many times my husband was in the shower and we ran out of water? Right? They had to sink another well and go deeper. We lived on bedrock. It was solid rock. They brought that machine in there and it shook everything that could be shaken. My goodness. The dog was howling. It just, the whole... It was loud, but they had to go deep because we already had two wells that couldn't even, even take care of a family of four. We need to dig deep because that well, when you sink down into that well, there's a river running down at that level, right? It's running and there's, it's an endless supply. The people I worked for would use their well to fill their pool. <laughs> I guess it went deep enough, <laughs> right? We need to go deep. We need to go deep. So we have the river of God, yes. and it flows from his throne. Yes. And it needs to come and move. I said to my husband, maybe this is about the message because I keep smelling stagnant water, and it doesn't matter where I go. I keep smelling it. And I say, God, don't let us stay stagnant. Pastor, you said that there was a, a wet blanket over things. We've got to pray the fire of God comes and dries that thing up and comes and consumes the, the, the sacrifice on the altar. But that the, that the faucet would be open and that God would just pour out his spirit to just get that stagnant water out, yeah. Yeah. we stink. It stinks. And it's only breeding death. We need life. He said, there's a river of life in you. Spring up. Spring up. We're in Springfield for Pete's sake. Spring up. Spring up a well. Come on. Tell that thing, rise up. Unplug yourself. Let the river flow. There are people who are thirsty. Water is wealth. And it's life to all around to come and drink. In John 4, we see that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph's well was where Jesus met the woman at the well. That was a family inheritance. Well, it wasn't going to be there if they didn't go and say, hey, that's my dad's well, and he left it to me. Get off my water. It wouldn't have been there. Jesus wouldn't have been sitting there. That woman wouldn't have been touched. Her whole town would not have been reached if the well wasn't there. So how important is the word? It's life. Jesus is the living word. 
He said, the word was in the beginning, the word was with God, right? Go back to the beginning, go back to the beginning, go back to the beginning. We've allowed people to move God's foundations. And we need to stand up and, and speak the word, but do we know it? We need to spend time in it. We need to dwell in his presence and in his word. And pastor, you know, I'm with you. I, I, I want to see and hear more conversation about the word, right? There is something that's stopping us, so we need to break off that mute spirit off our lives and begin to talk to one another. The scripture says, come with a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song. What do you got? You need to come with it. Not come and get it here. Bring it. Bring the word. We need to begin having more conversations hmm. ah. around the table, right? Not just about the good food we're eating, but about the word of God. Are we excited about it? Are we digging for it? I'm going to tell you this, and this is no accident, but hey, I became a millionaire, right? What's this? A Turkish lira. It's a million, million Turkish lira. My husband was cleaning the house, and he found this. I'm in the middle of the sermon. You bet I stopped to see if we're millionaires. We started going on the internet, and I said, honey, oh my gosh. Not a million, but it's worth $69,000. Woohoo! That was before when, Dan? 1970. You know what it's worth now? 70 cents. Don't miss your Kairos moment. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. But you know what else? We stopped everything. We were like the lady who lost the coin. We're sweeping the house. We're going to find out if we're millionaires. If we would only spend that time digging in the word, digging in the word, you don't know the riches that are in the word. You need to dig. You need to stop everything and say, I'm missing out. I don't want to miss my moment. I'm not going to miss my time. I'm not going to let it pass me. I said, oh my gosh, did we have this in 1970? Who had this? Have we had that all that time? Where'd this come from? But we need to dig in the word. We need to go after it. We need to, it's the pearl of great price. Man, we need to get that thing and buy the field, buy it up. Everything, with everything that we have, go after God. Go after him. God is the creator. He's the one who's given us even the ability to get wealth. That's it. We didn't even get up today unless he breathed in us today. Come on, Come on. We need to tell our kids that. Let me tell you this. I'm going to find this real quick. So we watched the other night, 60 Minutes, and there is a new um, telescope that's going to outdo the Hubble telescope. It is called the Webb Telescope, and they've only been working on it 24 years. And it is worth $10 billion. 
And you know what they're going to do with that? They're going to go back in time and see where the Big Bang started to see if they can see the stars all the way back there. Ten billion dollars. Please have a conversation with your children. You can save $10 billion worth of therapy and go to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We need to begin to teach them. Xander, what day was the stars and the moon? What, what did we just say on Sunday? Do you remember? Day four, we looked it up. Your kids are using their Bibles in Kids Harbor. We're teaching them to go to the book, to go to it. Did you know that, Sophia? Did you remember that? Yeah. yeah. They're looking it up. The textbook is the Bible. We're teaching them from the Word of God, day four, that God created the stars, right? God created them. Why do you need $10 billion to go back there and see what happened? God already told you. You're wasting your time and money. What could we do with $10 billion? How could we change things on this earth? Good Lord. Imagine the people we could help. So, David, in 1 Chronicles 22.5, David said, my son Solomon, he's young, he's inexperienced. And the house of the Lord should be great and magnificent. And the fame and splendor in sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparation for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. David was doing his best to set up Solomon for a win. to build the temple of the Lord. <laughs> First Corinthians 16, 316 says, Know ye not? You, you are the temple of the Lord. Do our children know it? Are we investing in them? Talk about the fast. If you read Isaiah 58, when he talks about the fast, he said, You spend, what are you spending? Do you spend yourself on helping others? Are you spending yourself? Are we spending ourselves? Are we spending our wealth? Are we spending, are we doing like David did and setting our, our sons and our daughters up for a win to build the temple of God in their life? Are we giving it to them? Or we've left the table. We're too busy. This is other things have taken the place. God has given us a responsibility. They're a gift from God. And we need to feed them. It's not just the pastor, they feed us every week. But I'm telling you what, if you haven't eaten since Sunday, 
I'm pretty hungry. Your kids would be malnourished. They can't wait from week to week. You can't depend on, on Kids Harbor to give them a meal for the week. You need to reaffirm that thing day after day. You need to feed them every day. You need to feed yourself every day. We need to be people of the word. Right? Men and women of the word. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, God's foundation stands firm. And the Lord knows those that are his. And everyone that names the name of Christ must depart from evil. His word is a sure foundation. The righteous run in and they're safe. But if we name the name of Christ, we need to repent from our sin. We need to repent. This month is the month of Tibet. And yesterday we repented at prayer meeting for allowing the enemy to come in and take our families and destroy our foundations. And what I'm asking tonight is that we be the examples. How did Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah learn how to eat right and could go before the king's table and eat right and keep themselves pure? They sat around a table with their parents and they taught them how to eat the way God wanted them to eat, a way that honored God. How did Esther know what to do? She had an uncle who helped her. You know, you don't have to be blood relative. You can be an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a neighbor, and speak into that child's life. She made a choice that she put her life on the line for a nation. So we're going to close. And I want to ask this. First of all, the most important thing here. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Revelations 3.20. God says he's standing at the door and he's knocking. He says if you hear him. The word of God says today if you hear him. It's not time to get around, right, Pastor Dave? It's not time to, to waste. It's not time to say I'll do it tomorrow. He says today if you hear his voice and open the door because he wants to come in and and have dinner with you. He wants to come in and fellowship with you and you with him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. So if you don't know Jesus today and you want to invite Jesus into your lifetime, this is the time I ask that you would come forward and we'll have people pray with you. So if you want to come, come to the table. Come to the table. Jesus is here to meet you tonight. He's here to meet you. And as we continue, let's let's look at the invitation that God gives us. The invitation for fresh water to flow in our lives, to repent for being stagnant, and allowing other things to fill up our well. 
and stop the flow. To ask for the river of God to begin to flow again. It's always an invitation open for healing. He says deliverance is the children's bread. He wants to feed you. He wants to give it to you. He's here. The Holy Spirit is here to give you that. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the word says eagerly desire. The gifts eagerly desire. Are you hungry for more of God tonight? Are you hungry for him or has the world filled you up with other things? It's time. It's time that we get serious. There are days ahead that I can't even imagine what are ahead, but we need to prepare. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our children. We need to give them a firm foundation. And we need to be standing on the rock. You can come. Remember this. That it was the wise man who built his house on the rock. The word says because he did the word. He put the word into practice. It's the foolish man who thinks, oh, that's not going to happen to me. But the same winds and the waves come to both families. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be touched by things. It means that God will be there with you in the midst. And that you'll be able to be, even if it comes to, like Stephen being stoned, that he saw the face of God and said, God, forgive them. That he was able to stand, even in the midst of those trials because we don't know what's coming. But we ask that God would come and meet with us. We say, God, he says, there's room at the table. There is room at the table in this house. And if we have to, we get another table and another table and another table. There is room for you in this house. And at the table of the Lord, there is room for you. And it doesn't matter if you've known him all your life. Don't you just want more? Don't you want the full meal? Don't you want the whole thing? Don't you want the cherry on top? Don't you want everything he has for you? Then come, because he's got it for you. There is a river flowing it's flowing from his throne and he is here he is here he is here and I'm just going to begin to pray for people pastor that's okay pray for people so father in the name of Jesus we pray for the anointing God that your river Holy Spirit would flow Holy Spirit let the river flow, God, from your throne. Holy Spirit. 